Well, good morning again, church. Good morning again, church. There you are. So glad you're here with us this morning. Again, I want to welcome those that are with us online uh, this morning. Excited to be able to share with you. Uh, before we dive into our text of this morning, I want to mention something. We, we talked about this last month, but every single uh, month, our kids uh, kind of birth through grade five are doing something called a heart habit. There's a, each month gets a focus, a different heart habit. These are disciplines that help us grow in our commitment to Christ. And so if you've got a kid who's in our Z Kids ministry, uh, this announcement is for you. So last month it was Bible reading. That was the heart habit uh, that they talked about, that they coached. There was opportunities to engage in that. This month, the heart habit, fittingly, is communion. Okay? Communion. So for the entire month, they're going to be talking about this whole idea of communion and what does that look like. But you as a parent, uh, we have some tools to help you on that journey. And so uh, before uh, you pick up your kids today at the end of service, uh, out in the kids' wing, there's a couple of things that are available for you. One is this whole informational thing. It talks about communion, how you can lead your own children in communion, can talk to them about communion. This is a thing that you can do with your, with your family. But in addition to it, there's a, there's a little activity that kids can be a part of and, uh, and can actually get that laminated and it's something they can bring back. And so I would encourage you to, to take part in that. It's a way to help train our kids. Remember, our primary role as parents is that we are the spiritual leaders of our home. And if we are not training our kids, we're just outsourcing that to the church, there's a deficiency there. And so we got to say, God, help me. And we want to help you help your children uh, grow in their faith, okay? And so as Amber mentioned it, this Friday night, our Good Friday service, we got communion as well. So it's a perfect time to bring your family. We're going to take communion together as we grow together, all right? Well, this morning we are wrapping up the series we have been in over the last uh, several weeks as we've walked through Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and I know that uh, I've had a number of people reach out to me and say, man, this has been a message or a series that's been fitting based on where my life is at and some of the things that I'm walking through. And I think this morning is another encouragement. I think God has something to share with us today as we open our hearts. And so would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23? As we're going to read one last time as you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our New Testament reading plan. And so if you've gotten off at all, you can uh, just jump back in, make sure you join along with that. Would you stand with me? Across the room as we're going to read. We're going to read the whole psalm again. Again, we're only going to look at verses 5 and 6 today. Uh, but I'm going to read the whole psalm one last time together this morning. It says this, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, today, this is an invitation, and so, God, I pray that we would be responsive to your invitation today. God, if we've gotten cold and callous to your invitation, Lord, wake us up today. Shake us up. God, unsettle the things that have gotten stuck the way they are, Lord, I pray. And God, I pray that we would walk deeper in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. All right, how many of you had breakfast this morning? Raise your hand if you had breakfast this morning. Okay, if you didn't have breakfast, you're going to be a little annoyed with me for a second, okay? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take 10 seconds, and I want you to think about what is your favorite meal. 
You're at, like, you could pick one meal, the absolute favorite meal. You might have to close your eyes. Imagine that meal. What is that meal to you? Think about it. Some of you getting hungry. It's good, right? Okay, all right, turn to your neighbor. I want you to tell your neighbor, what is that meal, your absolute favorite meal in the world? Okay. All right, how many of you, how many of you was like pasta, some sort of a pasta dish? Anybody like pastas? Okay, some of you like, I'm an Asian, like, a, like rice and any of that kind of stuff. Anybody like that? How many like classic American, like just a burger, just give me a fatty burger? There you go. Okay, that's good. I mean, you got to grill. We got a bunch of guys who like to grill around here. I bet you there was a few of that, you know. For me, uh, my favorite meal, if you're going to pick my absolute favorite meal, it's going to look something like this. It's going to be a, just, just, there we go. Classic, just a filet mignon, mm, so good, just tender beef, just the, oh, so good on garlic mashed potatoes. And you put green beans on the plate, not because you want to eat them, it just makes it look pretty, right? <laughs> but if they're on your plate, you know they're covered in butter and salt, right? It's so good, okay? You just eat that thing, so good, okay? And then when dessert time comes, like for me, it's just a warm brownie with ice cream on it. Can anybody agree with that? Just like a hot brownie. Like there's nothing better than a nice warm, oh, it's just so good, okay? Okay, you take that off because we're going to be distracted otherwise. But you think, go back, think about your meal for a second, right? And before you eat that meal that you really like, you know, just feel like the hunger pangs. And some of you are feeling it right now. You're, you're hungry anyways. You're like, you see that hunger, like, oh, I'm just, I just want to eat. You know, like at Thanksgiving, sometimes the people are like, oh, let's go around and say what we're thankful for. Like, stop. Let me eat. We can do that after the meal. Anybody agree with me? Right? But, right, you're sitting there, you're hungry, and then you take that first bite, and it's just like, oh, it's, oh, it's so good. You know, and if you're like me, you eat a little fast, probably faster than I should, you know. Some of you, like, you're slow. You're just taking each bite, and it's good. But then you get to the end, and you're just like, ah, I'm done. And maybe you push the plate away from you. Maybe you lean back a little bit. Maybe some of you got to loosen the belt loops a little bit if you have to. You're just like, oh, I, I don't need anything else. I am fully satisfied. This is the picture that Psalm 23 ends with. Fully satisfied. And I think this is the feeling that God desires for every single one of our souls. That we would be fully satisfied. But I asked it a couple weeks ago, how's your soul? Because I would ask the question this morning, how many of your souls are fully satisfied right now? See, this is what God is trying to challenge us with. I think he wants to speak into us, and I think it resonates with every single one of us. So we go back to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a soul psalm, right? It's a soul psalm. That's what he's talking about. And we look over the first four verses that we shared over the first a couple weeks of this series, we looked at this whole idea that the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And over and over it talked about he guides us, and he provides for us, and he, he leads us through dark valleys. But in this clothing, closing section, the last two verses... We look at the idea that the Lord is our host. The Lord is our host. Now, this is a crazy idea. The idea that God would be our host is a crazy idea in the ancient world. Because in the ancient world at this time, their understanding is that humanity existed as slaves for the gods. Like the gods are up there, and our job is just to do the bidding of the gods and just, you know, whatever we can do to make their life easier. And yet, David comes to Psalm 23. 
and he paints this picture of God actually being the one who is caring for us. He's serving and he's hosting us. How many of you like to host parties? Some of you like to host, some of you, we're coming over later, okay? I, I can host, I can try, I'm not very good at it, it's not like a, much of a gift that I have, my, my wife is far better at hosting than I am, and there's some of you like you're absolutely gifted in doing that, but one thing I know is that hosting takes a lot of work, like if you're going to host well, it requires intentionality, you have to have care and concern for those you are hosting, and in this psalm, that's what God does for us. He cares for us. Like, he is intentional with us. And so we're going to walk through the passage and look at three different areas, ways that God is hosting us. What does it look like when he is our host? And so if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write a few things down. The first thing is this. It says that he prepares. He prepares. What did it say in verse 5? It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now, does anybody else think that's a strange place to set up a table? Like, could we set up a table away from my enemies? Like, long ways away from, like, they're on the other side of the planet. Could we do that? Could we set the table up on a beach somewhere, right? Could we do that? I would prefer the table there. But he says, no, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. How many of you watched Bugs Bunny when you were growing up? Like, classic Bugs Bunny, like old school Bugs Bunny. You remember that? Okay. I I tried finding this cartoon because I remembered it, but I couldn't find it, but, uh, there was a scene in a Bugs Bunny movie. I'm pretty sure it was Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. That's what I'm pretty sure. And they got into a point, and you remember this in cartoons, even if you haven't seen Bugs Bunny cartoons, there's a point where Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, I think it is, they get into a fight, and they're like fighting one another. And in cartoons, you know how they like draw a big cloud, and like body parts are sticking out here and there, and there's a fight going on. It's like swirling, 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 this fight going on. And I remember in the cartoon, there's this thing going on, the swirling, swirling, swirling is going on. And at one point, Bugs Bunny steps out of the swirling, the fight. He steps out of it, and he just stands there, and he's watching the fight go on. Elmer Fudd is by himself, fighting himself, punching himself, all these things. And there's a, you know, Bugs Bunny does the Bugs Bunny thing, right? He pulls the carrot out, he goes, you know, what's up, Doc? You know, and the guy finally stops. But, but when I think about this scene, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I think about that scene. Because in our lives, we want God to stop all the problems. Like there's no problems, there's no issues, stop the issue, no fighting, no pain, no stress. No, we don't want any of that kind of stuff. But God says, listen, I don't always stop that, but I do prepare a moment of rest. I prepare a place of peace in your life, if you will allow me. Right? The enemies are all surrounding you. Listen, I prepare a table before you. In the present, in the midst of what you're facing, in the midst of what you're going through. And some of you come in this morning carrying heavy things because you feel burdened. You feel stressed out. You feel overwhelmed. The circumstances of your life are overwhelming to you. And you're saying, God, I just want some peace. He's saying, listen, in the midst of this, while you're going through this, while you're experiencing the challenges, I prepare a table before you. In the presence of your enemies. See, uh, I love the picture, though. He doesn't, he doesn't prepare something that's in, um, non-relational. He, he prepares a table. I don't know about you, but I don't sit at tables with people I don't want to have a relationship with. <laughs> like a table is a place of conversation, isn't it? It's a place where you, where you sit, you meet with people, you hang out. You get to know one another. And what God is saying, listen, I've prepared a table here. In the midst of all this stuff, I want to have intimate relationship with you. I want you to know me. 
I want you to be filled by me. I want to be your source. Rather than going to all the other things, I want you to meet with me. And see, Jesus modeled this whole idea for us. Because Jesus was busy. We like to think, oh, Jesus just walked on. It's just, oh, just easy all the time. Dude, he was busy. Like, he, everybody wanted his attention. Some of you parents out there feel that way. Like, can I get two seconds to myself? Guess what? Jesus had crowds coming after him all of the time, wanting his attention. When he was tired, he still had people coming after him. And yet, what does it say over and over in Scripture that Jesus does? He says he slips away to a quiet place. Why was he doing that? Because in the midst of the crazy, the midst of the, the stress and all the stuff going on, he stepped away from it for a moment to sit at the table with his father, to be filled up. He prepares a table. Listen, the God of all creation, the, the king of all creation, in the midst of what you are facing, is preparing a table of peace and rest for you. Right? It says he prepares. But it goes on and it says he provides. He provides. Look at the rest of verse number five. It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now this is very peculiar because you know what? Who gets anointed? If you had a guest over and they were honored, just this honored guest, this esteemed guest, someone really important, you might anoint their head with oil. And it says that God does that to us. Anybody else feel a little unworthy of that? <laughs> like I do. I don't know how you think about yourself, but oftentimes I walk before God and God, I, no, 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 go anoint somebody else. Don't anoint me. I, I don't deserve that. I'm not the esteemed guest. I'm not that. And yet this is how God sees us. And I think it's important for us to understand that he doesn't look at you the way you look at you. God doesn't look at you the way you look at you. A lot of times we look at ourselves and our dysfunction and our brokenness. He sees the potential of what is possible in you, how he has formed you, how he has shaped you. Like that's what he sees. He sees what, what can be in you, right? And he looks at you with compassion. He looks at you with love and care and concern. And so it says that we anoint your head with oil, but it goes on and he says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Now, what does that mean? Uh, in Scripture, a lot of times when we talk about the cup or we talk about wine, that's a picture of abundance. So if you have good wine, new wine, that meant some abundance. And when we talk about my cup overflows, that's like your abundance has abundance, like, that's really good. Like, as good as it can get. It's as abundant as it can be. And this is what he's saying. Listen, I've got everything that you need. I've got more than you can handle, more than your cup can hold. That's what I have for you. See, one of the, one of the things that our world deals with and battles is a scarcity mindset. You know what a scarcity mindset is? There's not enough. There's not enough. There's never going to be enough. You better be scared. You better be afraid. You better, there's not going to be enough for you. Like, God's holding out on you. The world's not going to have it. You, know, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. And pre-COVID, it was already really bad. It was already, like, we bubble wrap our kids. We bubble wrap everything. We have insurances for everything. Why? Because you got to be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Fear, 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 fear. And then COVID hits, and we all lose our minds, right? <laughs> Absolutely lose our minds. We're afraid of everything. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Fear, 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 fear. Scarcity, scarcity. There's not going to be enough. What's going to happen, Right? That's, that's what our world is pushing on us. And yet God is calling us to an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset. A faith mindset. A trust me kind of mindset. One that says quit looking. Quit looking at the enemies around you. Right? Look at the cup that I have that's overflowing for you. Look what I have provided for you. I don't know about you. 
but I can struggle with this one. It's so easy to look at the enemies around me. So easy. And yet there's a challenge that we've been given found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So easy in my life to look around. What do I see? What about my eyes are scaring me right now, God? <laughs> I don't see the things I need. And you say, yeah, yeah, quit looking there, there. Look to me. Have faith in me. Have trust in me. Are you operating? And trust isn't just a feeling. It's a behavior, right? Trust is something we live out. It's, I, don't, I don't just feel it, God. I choose to behave in such a way that I am trusting in you. Why, why do I talk about tithing so regularly? Because it's one of the most practical ways that we can get into a place that says, God, I don't just tell you I trust you. I'm going to behave in a way that says I trust you as my source. I believe for you to be the source in everything. I'm not going to have a scarcity mindset that says, oh, I'm so scared. I'm afraid. I don't think. No, no, God, I trust in you. You're the one who has the abundant resources. You're the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills like it says in scripture. And so, God, I'm going to choose to trust in you. See, this psalm is reminding us that we don't have to live with the same discouraged, hopeless, faithless, joyless lives that so dominate our culture. When we sit at the table of our world and eat the stale bread and drink the toxic waters and stare at the enemy, then hopelessness and discouragement are normal. But when we sit at the table of our king and live from the abundance he longs to give us, then the natural outcome is a peace that the world can't take away. And that's what our soul craves. Like that's what your soul craves. You might not even realize it, but that's what you crave. And this is the provision that he has for every one of his followers. For everyone who says, I trust in Jesus. He says, he provides. Right? It says he prepares, he provides, and lastly, he pursues. He pursues. So surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I knew a guy. Maybe you've known somebody like this before. I knew a guy one time and uh, worked with him. He was, he was working for me and he came to me one day and he's like, hey Greg, Greg, I'm kind of crushing on this girl. I'm like, Oh, really? I was all excited because I hadn't seen him like, really crushing on any girls. I'm like, that's great. Who, who, are, you, who are you crushing on? That's great. He's like, I don't, I don't know. And he tells me who it is. And honestly, it took everything in me not to bust out laughing. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you are way out of your league on this one. <laughs> so you are swinging for the fences, aren't you? But I didn't say any of that. I'm like, way to go. Yeah, go. You go for it, man. You go for it. And, uh. What I saw over the next several months was humorous because he, he started, like, he started getting in shape. He was losing weight, getting all fit. He started buying new clothes. He got these new glasses, so he looked all clean. He got haircuts. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really basic stuff he was doing, but he really started to care. He's like, I'm, I'm going, right? And, like, he's asking her out on dates, and he's buying her things. And he's doing, like, he went hardcore. He did everything he could to try and pursue this girl. And, and over a decade later, they are still married. And I said, way to go, buddy, right? See, it may not be the exact same way, but the reality is that Scripture teaches that it's God who is pursuing us. It's not the other way around. A lot of times people say, I found Jesus. I'm like, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you, and you responded to him. 
Like, he's the one who's been running after you. And anybody who's been following Jesus for very long totally understands this. Because they can look back and say, dude, Jesus was chasing me down and I didn't even know it. I didn't even see what he was doing. And you've got it moments in your life where you're like, man, God was there. You thought you stumbled in. No, no, God was the one pursuing. Even those times when you follow in Jesus, but then you start walking away. And suddenly, all of a sudden, these things get in your way that are kind of pointing you back to Christ. You're like, God's still pursuing me. He hasn't given up on me, even though I was the one who was turning away from him. It's an, amu- an amazing, amazing idea that God pursues me. But for some of you, that's a really scary thought, that God is pursuing you. <laughs> because you've had a toxic view of God that said, oh, God with a bat who's just looking to whack you over the head when you make a stupid mistake somewhere. We have this view of God. Now, I would say this. Should we have a holy reverence? Should we have a holy fear of God? Yes, we should. Why? Because he is the almighty, holy king of all creation. We should have a reverence for his authority. Anytime in scripture somebody came face to face with God, guess where they ended? On their face. Why? Because he is holy and righteous. There should be a righteous, holy fear in our hearts before God. Even Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy the soul and body in hell or in Gehenna is what it says there. Like there should be a, a reverence before God, okay? He's not just your homeboy. He's king of all creation. And there should be a reverence before that. But at the same time, when you look from Genesis to Revelation, what do you see? You see God's heart for humanity over and over and over again. And what do you see? His goodness and his mercy pursuing us, running after us when we don't deserve it. I could pass the mic around to this room of so many of you who he chased down into some of the most disgusting, painful places and some of the most difficult challenges of your life, and Jesus met you there because he pursues us. That's the kind of God that he is. This Friday, we're going we're gonna to look at the cross, right? Good Friday. And we're going to re- be reminded of how far Jesus would go to pursue us, how much he cares for us. He takes the cross for us. It's his unfailing love. It's his goodness and mercy that follow us because he pursues. I've said this over the last several weeks, but uh, there's something peaceful and reassuring about Psalm 23 to me. All right, there's just, it's just something powerful about it. When you read it, it's like, that's just like a, a nice breath. Like, oh, that feels good. But I think one of the primary reasons it feels so good is because it gives us a revelation of the character of God. It helps us see who he is. Because when we understand who God is, it suddenly gives us confidence in our own lives. To know, like, that's who my king is. That's who my God is. Like, I can trust in that kind of a God. But, but when I look at the end of this psalm, it actually reminds me of Palm Sunday. Some of you don't even realize it, but today is Palm Sunday, right? Today is Palm Sunday. It's, a, it's the day, uh, the Sunday prior to Easter Resurrection Sunday morning. And, uh, and what is Palm Sunday all about? For those that don't know the story, you know, pre- before Jesus came, there was this, uh, all these prophecies about Christ. Uh, these prophecies of the Messiah that would one day come. This Jesus that would come, this one that would come someday. And he was going to, you know, restore the kingdom. You know, he was going to establish it, vanquish the enemy and restore the kingdom. And, and it would be amazing. And, and the problem is the Jewish people viewed that as merely an earthly thing. Oh, he's going to establish an earthly kingdom just like all the kingdoms that there used to be. So they've been waiting for this one to come. 
They were like, oh, I hope he comes. And there were men that would come and would try and wage war and do those kind of things. And some of them were mildly successful. Others weren't at all. But none of them really established things the way they had viewed it. And then this Jesus comes on the scene. And it says that Jesus has, has all these amazing powers to do miracles and to heal people. And they begin getting hope in their heart. Maybe this is that Messiah. Maybe this is that king that we have been waiting for. Right? This is that one. He's going to come. He'll take the sword. Right? He's going to take the sword and he'll destroy the Roman Empire and reestablish Jerusalem and the Israelite nation. And we're going to have things like it used to be under King David, King Solomon. And so, so this is what is happening. But the problem is Jesus starts talking differently <laughs> start saying i'm humble and meek start saying i didn't come to be served i came to serve to give my life as a ransom for others and he's like and the, and the disciples were frustrated if you you see all the times where the disciples get mad at jesus because they're like jesus no 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 you're the big guy like strong oh come on be manly he's like no no, no i'm here to serve i'm here to do something you don't understand and so it says that on Palm Sunday, this day that we remember, it says that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And the expectations of the crowd is like, he's coming to Jerusalem. He's going to grab a sword. He's going to ride in on a horse. He's going to take care of everything. This is going to be amazing. And that's why they have the palm branches. Thus, Palm Sunday. They got the palm branches. And they're waving. And what are they yelling? Hosanna, Hosanna. What does it mean? Save now. They are declaring, Jesus, ride into victory and save us right now. Go, take them out. Take out the Romans. Destroy them. But Jesus comes riding on the colt of a donkey. He's not riding in victory formation or in battle formation. He's riding in victory formation. He rides in. And it says a few days later, he goes to a cross and lays down his life for us. That's not what they expected. That's not what they wanted. Why would he choose to do this? Well, it's because of the passage we just looked at. Because he came to prepare. He came to prepare a way for us. See, they wanted victory over the Romans, and he knew that we needed victory over death, sin, and the grave. And so he came a different way. He came to provide. Scripture says that he took our sin upon himself. And that therefore we get his righteousness placed on us. We can't do it on our own. Like we're not good enough. So Jesus came to provide for us. To do what we could never do for ourselves. But he also came to pursue us. To show us the way to the Father. To demonstrate the heart of the Father. There was a song that I used to hear. It said, you have won my affection." And I don't know about you, but when I think about my Savior taking my sin upon himself and going to a, a tree for my sins and on my behalf, there's an affection that grows in my heart toward the king. Like, I can serve that kind of a king. I can serve that kind of a God. He pursues us. But, but what I love is that he didn't come demanding. Remember Palm Sunday? They wanted him coming in with the sword. But Jesus didn't come with a sword and hold us up, say, follow me, right? You better, you better come get saved over here. No, what did he do? He made the way. He set the table. And then he said, it's up to you now. 
How are you going to respond? And so I want to get to the big so what this morning because I think this is a critical for every single one of us to understand, and it's this. The table is set, but will you join him? The table is set. It has been set, and it continues to be set before you. Will you join him? Right? Because a lot of us, we're living our lives stressed out. We're living overwhelmed. But there is peace in the storm. There is hope in the battle. There is comfort in the pain. It's actually available for you. And some of us, again, we continue to live our lives on E, totally empty. But you don't have to. I don't have to. The table is set. But will we join him? What does it say at the end? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I choose to place myself in his midst, to stay near to him, right? To draw near to him. All the provision can be made for us, but we have to actually respond to him. Not just once, but over and over again. There's a story, a parable that Jesus told. And uh, there's a deeper meaning in this story, but I think a surface level helps us understand this. You know, there's the parable of the great banquet. Some of you know the great banquet. There's this guy. He's throwing a party. He's like, I'm going to have this massive banquet. I want to invite everybody to this thing. And so he works really hard. Gets all the preparations together. Gets the table set. Gets everything. He's got his servants working. They're doing all the stuff. This is amazing. This is going to be great. They find They get the, the plates ready. The table's ready. The food is finally ready. And so he sends his servants out. He's like, go. Go get all my people. Okay? Go tell them to come. The party is ready. It's time to do this thing. But that's when the excuses started to fly. And one by one, they're like, oh, sorry. I got stuff going on. I got other things going on. One person got married. One person just bought a field. There's all these different reasons they give for why I can't come to the banquet. Instead of joining him and being satisfied, they're distracted with other things. (laughs) Many of you can relate to that. We get distracted. By other things. Well, we responded that one time. We responded and said, you know, I came to Jesus. Right? I sat at the table. I got saved. Right? I gave my life to Christ. Yeah. But it's been a while since I've been to the table. And I don't know why. I'm just so, my soul is so empty. Right? I feel so dry. Why is that? Because <laughs> we're eating at the wrong table. And he's saying, would you come? I, I know you got enemies around you. I know you got challenges around you. But look at I got a table for you. In the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of what you're facing, I have a table. I made it for you. Like there's a chair. Here it is. Would you come sit down? Would you allow me to fill you? Would you come spend some time in my word? Would you spend some time in prayer? Would you allow me to restore your soul a little bit? Like I've made a way for you. But for all of us, I think there's things that get in the way. I don't know what gets in the way for you, but there's a few things that that God put on my heart to challenge us with this morning. For, for some of us, the thing that gets in the way is we're just busy, right? Just busy. Busy. I got so much stuff going on. God, I don't have time for this. We have time for other things, but I don't have time for you, Lord. See, if I had time, God, I would totally give it to you. But when we think about it, how often are we spending our time on things that we don't actually really care about? We're too busy to sit down at the table. He's saying, but the table's there. Like, you're dry and you're empty, but you're not coming to the table. Just, just come sit down. Sometimes we're seeking the wrong kingdom. We're seeking the wrong kingdom. Sometimes we're seeking our own kingdom. Like I'm building my own kingdom. I got to make sure my stuff is going. 
I'm not really concerned about his kingdom and what he's got going on. That's why we don't go sit at the table because you're like, I'm not really concerned with anything relating to you, God. I'm worried about what is my thing going on. My career, right? My job, whatever I've got, my financial stuff that I got going on, my stuff in school, my stuff in sports, whatever the thing is, that's the thing I'm focused on, right? We serve the wrong kingdom. But sometimes it isn't that we're serving our own kingdom. Sometimes we're just serving other kingdoms, (laughs) serving other people's kingdoms, earthly kingdoms, political kingdoms. Those are the things that get our attention. Those are the things that get our allegiance. Those are the things that get our focus. And he's saying, hey, you're empty and dry because you keep looking at the wrong kingdoms. You're seeking the wrong things. And he's saying, listen, come here. I got, I got a chair for you. Would you just sit down? Would you allow me to fill your soul? Sometimes we have a temporal view. We have a temporal view. We're, we have a short-sighted view when it comes to life. And so we're focused, we only see today and the stuff I got going on today in my life, and we're not thinking eternally, we're not thinking about the things that last, that, that are things that are eternal, we're thinking of things that are here in the now. And I said, shared it last week uh, with the, the child dedication that as parents, we can do the same thing. We get really focused on, on oh, our kid, are they going to play the right sport? Are they going to get to the right college? Are they going to do all these kind of things? But we put no attention on their soul. <laughs> Say, God, God, how can I help lead my child? To the table how can i how can i lead them to things that are eternal the things that matter we can do this in relationships sometimes my guess is there's some single people out there you got a relationship right now and you know it's compromising your faith and you're like i don't really care because i want this relationship more than i want him say hey god is inviting you to a table place of rest say a hundred years from now this is the only thing that matters. That one doesn't. Right? Lastly, sometimes we're just flat out lazy. I'm not going to ask anybody to show hands, but we just are, aren't we? Like there's days where you're just lazy. There's weeks, some of us have lived years lazy. We just don't invest in stuff that matters. We got an excuse for everything. Uh, yeah. right? We just live this way, whatever. I'm going to lean into some of you. Some of you only show up to church every once in a while. It's not because you have real excuses. You're just lazy. Like sometimes it's like, eh, it's too, it's too warm outside. It's too cold outside, right? Like I'm too busy. I finally have a free day, right? There's just all the reasons why not to do that. And he's saying, listen, this, like, come here. Get filled. You're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. Your soul is dry. But you don't come to the table. And he's inviting us in. Same thing happens in our personal life. God, would we be those who actually go sit at the table and allow you to fill us? Say, God, I need need you today. Because when we're filled, everything else in life is better. (laughs) Because we're not looking to all those things to try and fill us up anymore. We're operating from a position of being full. We can sit at the table and say, I'm satisfied. So when I meet that person who frustrates me, it's not as big of a deal anymore because I'm not looking to that person to fill me up anymore. I'm already full. I don't need you to fill me. I, mean, I, can, I can actually spill. I can give you some of the abundance God gave me already. I can give love to you. I can give grace to you. I can give mercy to you. I can care for you when you don't even really care about me because I'm already full. So table is set. Will you join him? I'm going to lead us through a time for the next five, seven minutes, just a time of response.
ended a little bit early here so we could take some time. And, and my heart's desire this morning is that the Holy Spirit, that we would all give God our attention for the next five to seven minutes and that we would give space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because I think the invitation is there. A lot of us were like, oh, I should be a better Christian. No, you should receive the gift that God's offering you. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, God's not saying, I'm so mad at you. You people know. He's saying, why are you living down here when I've got this for you? Come on, come on, come sit. Right? It's a challenge for all of us. I want to pray. God, I thank you so much for your, your invitation. The gospel is not bad news. It's not depressing news. It's good news. God, I thank you that you are inviting us to a richer, deeper place in you. God, I pray in the next few moments that you would speak to our hearts very specifically, not generally, speak specifically to us in our lives today. I pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to leave this list up here on the screens. Here's what I want you to do over the next minute, minute and a half. I want you to pray and say, Holy Spirit, is there one of these areas where I'm guilty of, of allowing this thing to prevent me from sitting at the table? And what is it? And ask the Holy Spirit specifically, what is that thing? What is the thing that I'm allowing myself to be busy with that doesn't matter? You know, what are the things that I'm seeking in the wrong way? Where am I just being lazy? And then if God speaks to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray a prayer of repentance on your own. Say, God, forgive me of that thing. And then begin to ask, okay, God, how can I live differently based on it, okay? So I'm going to give you a minute and a half, two minutes. I want you to be focused and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, all right? Let's do that together. Father, we just repent of the things that have kept us away from you. You've invited us to the table, and we've said, eh, we're good. God, you are so good. You, you are our source. You are the living water. God, we just repent of the things that have kept us from you, God. God, we say we want to pursue you at a deeper level. We want to make space in our lives so that we can actually be with you. God, I pray this week that, that the things that you've spoken to us, whether it's an area of being busy or the wrong kingdom, temporal views, laziness, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would take an action step, that we would do something intentionally this week to respond differently, God, to take moments to sit at the table and to be filled in the, the presence of our enemies and the presence of all the hard things. God, would you do that in us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm going to give us another, one more minute here for one other thing, and that's this. See, the gospel isn't meant for us just to take ourselves and then just hoard it. It's meant to be shared. So I want to ask you to, to ask the Holy Spirit right now, who is somebody who needs to be sitting next to me at the table? 
in your life. There's somebody in your world, maybe it's somebody at work, somebody on your block, somebody that needs it. Their life is dry and empty. They are heading the wrong direction. They desperately need to be filled by the King of Kings. They need to submit their lives to Christ and experience that. Who is that? Would you take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts and, and, and just begin to pray over that person? Would you stand with me across the room? We're going to take 20 seconds. I want you to pray specifically for the person God put on your heart right now, okay? I want you to intercede over them right now and just pray that God would grab hold of their hearts, okay? And that God would give you opportunity to share with them. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that there is an abundance. God, you are never exhausted. You are, there's never the end of you, God. You are a God of abundance. And so, God, I pray for the people that you've put into our hearts. God, there are literally hundreds of names right now that you've put into our hearts. And God, we are praying right now that those who are lost would be found, those who are broken would be healed, those who are com currently completely dry would be filled with you, God. And God, I pray that you would use us Use us to be witnesses. Use us to be uh, those who give testimony of what you have done in our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to be those who spend time at your table so that we're filled up to give something out, God, so that we're not giving out of empty, but God, giving out of the abundance you've placed in our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you for that, Lord. Pray that you would help us to live out of this reality this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give you a challenge this week, and it's this. Who needs to be sitting next to you? Invite them next week. You just prayed for somebody and you just acknowledged that they need you. Would you be bold enough this week to make an invitation and say, would you join me next Sunday? Would you have a conversation with them this week? Would you reach out to them this week? Could we, could we see God use us in powerful ways this week to impact hundreds of people for the kingdom of God? Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. Uh, they're here to pray. If you've got something going on in your life, you need, you need prayer, please. Come forward, allow our team to minister to you, to care for you. Uh, but otherwise, have a great week, guys. Remember, next week, three services, 8.30, 10, 11.30. Make your plans. We'll see you next week. We'll see you Friday night, 6.30 for Good Friday. Have a great week, guys.